Hi and welcome to What's Next. I'm Therese, your host, and in this week's episode we have amazing guests on the show. So let's get started right away. Have fun listening. Good morning. How are you? Hey, really good. Thank you. Thank you. How are you? <laughs> I'm really good as well. I'm really happy that you said yes to the interview. You're welcome. We're very excited yes. to, to be able to do this. <laughs> Then we start with the first question. Who are you? Please introduce your office. <laughs> well, for the listeners, uh, for you, you can see we're uh, Bram and Hans. Yes. Uh, I'm Bram. And Hans. And uh, we're Studio Okami Architects. Uh, and we're uh, recording this from uh, our office uh, in Antwerp. Uh, in the Riverside Tower, 10th floor, with the uh, views over the city of Antwerp. Uh, but of course, you can't see that. <laughs> <laughs> we could be anywhere, we could be lying. Yeah. <laughs> You're in some basement and you put a picture, yeah. and then a picture it's of the you, you. Yes, you can see. <laughs> Tell them. Riverside Tower sounds really nice. Mm -hmm. It is, it is. It's a brutalist tower. Uh, designed by uh, Leon Stannen and Paul Lemaire, two quite famous Belgian architects mm -hmm. in the 70s. Uh, Brutalist style, yeah, all concrete. All concrete, just the way we love it. <laughs> Am I wrong or did you have, do you have your apartment that I saw in different magazines online in the same building? Yeah, it's, it's correct. Place, yes. yeah. Yeah. That's my private apartment. So it's on the 13th and 14th floor, it's a duplex. And I take the elevator down to the 10th floor, where is the office, so yeah, no morning queues or uh, traffic jams. Unless everybody wants to get out of the building, yeah, I have to wait for the elevator. Yeah, sometimes it's busy at the other yeah, end. Yeah. <laughs> But your apartment looks really beautiful. Thank you, thank you. Really beautiful. But before we start with this, I have some warm-up questions for you. Mm -hmm. What's your favorite drink? Alcoholic, non-alcoholic? <laughs> yeah, we, we tried them last night again to figure out which one would be our favorite. <laughs> <laughs> But I, I really like water though. Yeah, some <laughs> nice a, sparkling yeah, water. Yeah, no, well, still and sparkling, but water is always uh, nice. Not uh, the answer you may have <laughs> hoped. <laughs> <laughs> no, for... Uh, It really depends on the occasion. Uh, for me, it's like, a, yeah, of course, a nice beer with friends on a terrace or when you're partying, it's, it's for sure, it's yeah. a classic. Mm -hmm. But then uh, like a wind down drink, when I come from work at home, it would be like a, a white Russian. Um, yeah, yeah, that's uh, My favorite, I think, for the moment. For me, anything not too licorice, not too, not like uh, pastis or so. Uh, all the rest is fine. <laughs> <laughs> I started drinking White Russian after the movie Big Lebowski. Mm, ah, yeah. <laughs> But it's actually a, a Belgian invention, eh? the yeah. White Russian cocktail. Yeah, it's from uh, 1940 in the 1940s. Uh, in a bar in Brussels, it was made for like um, the ambassador from uh, the US for Luxembourg or something. And he said to the bartender, make me something special. And the guy mixed up the first white Russian. So it's actually Belgian invention. That's, but that's not the reason why I like it. <laughs> <laughs> If you could develop a skill overnight, what would you wish for? It can be anything. It's super difficult because at first you think about all these superman, uh, superhuman-like skills. But for me, it would be, I, I think, time traveling. But like without being able to disturb the timelines and those kind of things. But like yeah. if I would be able to time travel and then choose to be visible or non-visible in the situation, that I think would be amazing. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, all the 
unlimited superpowers are nice too, uh, of course. You know, like you, that yeah. you can. But I with great powers yeah. come great responsibilities. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. That's true. Or be able to sing really nicely. Oh nicely. yeah, yeah. At least that they recognize the song when you sing it. Yeah. Yeah. So that this is be... what you wish for to sing. To sing, yeah, it's, to sing nice. it's our superpowers or to be able to sing really nice. <laughs> and then maybe we wouldn't be architects, but mm -hmm. just a band. Yeah, that's the reason why. Yeah. What's your favorite hobby besides architecture? Um, very, yeah. <laughs> these warm-up <laughs> questions are actually more difficult <laughs> than <laughs> the real questions, I think. <laughs> No, but uh, uh, life in general, sports, yeah. uh, traveling, uh, music, all the like, yeah. like going out with. We're with we're, and we're very firm believers that as an architect, you should really live and be out there and explore a lot of things, from countries to food to mm. to all different kind of experiences mm. because. In a sense, what you do when you design is you 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 bring out all these experience into your concepts and your designs, mm. and you you need to be able to also visualize yourself in the life of your clients, for instance. Mm -hmm. And by living life to the fullest, mm -hmm. you actually gain a lot of luggage uh, that you can use in those kind of. Uh, design processes mm -hmm. and and that's also why why in the office we we have very strict business hours we start at nine o'clock and we finish at five and we have a an hour break mm -hmm. just to make sure that after work you still have enough things time. that you can do uh, to experience mm -hmm. and, and at first it's weird but actually it works yeah. to really limit the time you spend in the office. That doesn't mean that you're not working in your head and you're not That's processing. That's true. That's true. But especially for design yeah. and stuff, you you can reflect uh, at at uh, other time, other moments, other mm -hmm. other time frames, and and and. For design, that's true, but it's uh, interesting to leave everything at five and mm -hmm. just do something else completely. Different. Yeah, and it, it also makes everything more efficient in a sense that if you really want to leave the office at five, you should also work accordingly. You should be able to, like some days we're like working non-stop, but it's between nine and five, we forget to eat almost. Like mm -hmm. you're busy, 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 and then at five it's like, okay, this is it for today and we managed to do, we make like a list of the stuff that we want to complete and then we, we crank it out, so to speak. Mm -hmm. So living life to the fullest and on the other side, this nine to five job, mm -hmm. does mm -hmm. this match? Yeah. Oh, yeah, that's the perfect combination. Really? Because yeah. I hear so many people always complaining about this nine to five every day. Yeah, but that's because uh, what they do between <laughs> nine and five is not as interesting as being uh, in an architecture office, I guess. <laughs> you should make sure that the work you do between nine and five is so interesting that it doesn't bore you out. Mm -hmm. I think the alternative was working longer than five. Yeah, so. <laughs> yeah the <laughs> alternative would be from nine to nine or something. Yeah. So that's even worse. So, yeah. yeah, yeah indeed. Mm. So I have the feeling we start this podcast a little different. The next question would be, how do you start your design process? But since we are in this living life to the fullest and from nine to five schedule, yeah. mm -hmm. I would like to stay there a little bit more. But it, it's funny because a lot of friends and other architects that we know, there's, there's, this, there's this idea among architects that you need to work long hours, work through nights to, to get the best design, to, to, because otherwise you didn't do your job. And... I think it's it's different. You can easily, easily um, manage to do all these designs between between nine and, and five if you if you stick to it. Mm -hmm. And and the clients know it. They they don't call us after five. They they know like that's the case. That's the way we work. And and yeah. 
And for example, I'm your employee. Do I have to come to the office or can I work from wherever I want? No, you have to come. You have to come. To the office. <laughs> I have to come. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it's it's uh, we we in the office, and that's also part of the design process. Ideas bounce around. Where we have several projects in different stages that are always continuing, and you handle a certain part of a certain project, and then fifty minutes later, you're busy with another thing. And the ideas bounce around. You need to be able to see each other, to walk past somebody who's working on the computer and then to interact and say like, ah, what did I see? And sometimes you misinterpret what you see on the screen, but it kind of all yeah. adds up to... Also because everyone is involved in every phase of the process. Mm -hmm. um, if it would be only execution or if you would only do a small part, something that you can separate from the rest of the, uh, of the, of the process, then it would supposedly be fine to work uh, from uh, at home or, or whatever. But it's never the case. No. It's, no. it's like, it's never the case. No, we, we tried it during the pandemic between Anza and me to work at home, but we, we, you miss so many little interactions. Mm. You miss so many little details that 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 when you're together in one space, it uh, it's totally different. This is for uh, us, of course. Yeah, the that's way the we, way we the work. way we work. Yeah. Um, we give instant feedback um, on small mm. things like mm -hmm. yes or no, and you you can even tell it when you see the expression, or you can you yeah. know, you, you you feel which direction you go and. It's really part of the design process, like when a client comes to us and we never make a contract for a full project. We always say like, okay, we do the sketch design and if you like the sketch design, we're willing to make a contract. Mm -hmm. And the reason we do that is we don't want to commit the client to us uh, and we want to find the perfect client for the project. Match, yeah. 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 Because we believe that the... It's easy to make good architecture, to make a good design. That's easy because you're skilled as an architect to do so. Mm. But what is difficult is to get it built. And to get it built, you need the right client, the person that trusts you with your design. So in our process, when the brief comes in or we sat down with the client, we just start in the office designing and we just show each other or we try to convince mm -hmm. each other mm -hmm. from our personal designs and, and, and we discuss it and it gets mixed up. Somebody starts drawing on top of another person's drawing and this kind of fluid way of working, it, it makes that in the end we have explored all possibilities and then we present three designs, three concepts to the client, three extremely different concepts. And after we present those concepts, the client knows that every option has been looked at. Mm -hmm. The concepts are extreme because they need to spark the conversation to keep developing the design to something that we all mm -hmm. want to build and see, re see in yeah. real life. So this whole developed home office topic during COVID now is, is nothing that works for you, that you have work and living mixed up, fusioned, no. and you cannot really decide if you work or if you stay at home or if you travel mm. to Bali and you work well, from there. We're, yeah. we're a, we're a two-person office, so we, if we would both be in Bali, it would be fine. It would be really good. But um, we also have both separate personal <laughs> lives <laughs> but, that also need attention. <laughs> but I, yeah, I think it's different if you have to manage a project with a lot of people or just with the two of us, it's, it's, it's different, yeah. I think. Yeah. I can imagine that there's a lot yeah. of, like if it's drafting yeah. or, or like if you're working on a... Deep drawing uh, details. Yeah. Or, yeah. Mm -hmm. then, then it's different. But then again, even if you're drawing details, we still talk to each other like, hey, how would you do this? Yeah. What, how do you see it? And then... This instant feedback is important. Yeah. If there's a yeah. way, if, if it would be possible to have it uh, at, home? at home, 
it wouldn't yeah. be a big issue, I, I guess. Yeah. But the instant feedback at any mm. given time that is that is important to us. Yeah. Okay, then, <clears throat> how do you start your design process when you start a competition? Everybody, the two of you have to go to a separate room and you make no. your ideas or do you sit together and you talk we or we talk a lot about how do you start first. it's a, it's a good it's a good question what we do how we start by um, going to the plot going see the terrain and see what is specific mm. about it um, we have a lot of residential projects so I, let's let's mm. stick, to, uh, stick to this point of view and um We go to the plot and we see what's remarkable. Ah, we didn't notice. We, we may have seen some pictures and we say, oh, I didn't notice this tree or this building or, or the, mm. the, the neighboring construction. Um, and of course, we always ask what is what does the client really want? Uh, what is the program that they, they, do they want a yeah. lot of, of bedrooms? Do they want an, is the kitchen an important space? What is, mm -hmm. listen to how they're, Life, uh, yeah, or how they how they see their life in the future, and I would even. say, yeah, indeed, both. Uh, so this is a document that we receive from the clients, and mm -hmm. um, with 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 this information um, and uh, the site visit, I think with both we start brainstorming, yeah. and sometimes it's uh, you take a piece of paper and you start drawing something. Um, sometimes it's a small model. Sometimes it's just conversation, mm -hmm. uh, or that you talk about something that you, um, a concept that you already discussed in a previous project, yeah. but you never that was not uh, uh, suited for this uh, for that client. Mm -hmm. And you start talking about it and sketching like just like on paper. Mm -hmm pen and paper, yeah. uh, sk uh, small sketches. And since the, the, we start very conceptual in the beginning, it's, uh, it's easy to sketch it because it's oftentimes like a real concept that we mm -hmm. try to, to yeah. work uh, elaborate. Yeah. And uh, those concepts we, we discuss. Mm -hmm. And sometimes one uh, can be, it can happen that without having a client, we walk mm -hmm. into the office and we say like, I, I dreamt something or I found a new concept that I really like and we show it to each other and then it goes on the side on the shelf and then after some time it might pop up again when you start another project and then oh, remember that and then maybe we can use that part or that. So it's, it's really a, mm -hmm. a process of triggering each other. It's like mm -hmm. a, a game almost like uh, how can we get the best architectural design for this project. And as Bram said, oftentimes we present three different proposals mm -hmm. um, at the first uh, presentation. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so that's oftentimes like uh, if, if I think about the concept and Bram thinks about what we start developing them first separately a bit that they're clear for each other what we're trying to do. But we do present them as one. You could yeah. not be able, the client would not be able to tell Ah, was this Ram's idea? Was this one yeah. Hans' idea? And why? Uh, yeah. Why so? And it's also very important. Like in those first first meetings, we do give we do materialize the designs. Mm -hmm. We always make like plans, three uh, D uh, presentations, and we materialize all the concepts in almost the same way, so that it's not about. Uh, I like the brick one more than the or dislike yeah or it. dislike the brick one and my idea go it's all about the spatial concept and then it starts developing in an, in another phase to because it's very difficult to make a design that's 100% to the client's uh, taste from the first try mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. so we we kind of the the full design process It takes, we always say, four weeks, like if you, for one design, one design step. So if you come to us and you say, this is my brief, I want the project, we say, okay, four weeks later, you get the three concepts. Once you've given your feedback on the three concepts, another four weeks, and we have the, like the more developed design. And mm -hmm. then you give feedback on that, another four weeks, and then you have the final design. So that's how we try to, 
master the time, not only from nine to five, but also for the projects in like uh, four weeks is a, is a phase for the design. Have you ever had a client where the taste of him or her didn't fit yours at all and you couldn't match something? Mm -hmm. Did you yeah. arrive to the point to say, sorry, we can't do it? Yeah, <laughs> for sure. And it's better that it happens when you present the first design booklet than that it happens when you're already down the road together for, uh, I don't know how much money. Yeah. So, yeah, that happens. And that's okay because that means that that client is not the perfect match for the projects that we... Yeah, and if there's a better suited architect, we would also tell them, you know, yeah. we would say this this type of building or, or this house you're looking after is... is you should is, go check. You should go someone else. Yeah. Uh, go there. And that's um, totally fine. It's better to, to arrive to, uh, mm -hmm. to that point mm -hmm. as early as possible or the earliest possible. Yeah, um, <clears throat> yeah we wouldn't continue with that. It's also, we've had clients that, that ask us to do stuff that we don't want to. Mm -hmm. Like even, we, we and, and Architecture. that's architecturally. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> no, but it, in a way, like it's very difficult as a starting office to set your boundaries because you want to do projects, and then people to do projects you need money because you need your office to keep running. But in the end, you invest in your future by deciding upfront what you want to be specializing in. You want to make great architecture for people that believe in you. And if people say, but yeah, guys, I will pay you another 100,000 euro if you design this type of villa for me because I want to work with you guys and you do that, then you might end up getting only clients for that type yeah. of construction. Yeah. And then you go down a, the rabbit hole. You, you, mm -hmm. It's better to say no and to suck it up and yeah. not get any money but to invest in your practice and and that's yeah that's true that, that's how how we we started like okay we want to make great architecture we're not competitive in a lot of things but architecture wise for us that's the base of the office we want to make what we believe is great architecture mm -hmm. and secondly it's two guys who want to have fun so That's the architecture. Yeah, architecture. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I like to have fun outside the office as well. But okay. And, and that's yeah, that's uh, how the nine to five is actually pretty exciting. It sounds like it. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it really does. In the river tower from nine to five, having yeah. fun. Yeah. <laughs> really yeah. Extraordinary projects. Yeah. Because in, like it. In, I yes, I'm yeah, yeah, thinking yeah. about it. I saw you thinking of considering it. Yeah, um, yeah, because in a lot of the other, probably in a lot of big offices, it's like a money machine where you can also sit from nine to five, mm -hmm. but you mm -hmm. do things mm -hmm. that maybe not ask so much for your creativity. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Did you experience this also, or did you start to be self-employed right away? No, no. Um, we, actually, we, we worked together mm -hmm. in a big firm in Antwerp, uh, Antwerp-based firm, with I think, 75 uh, employees, which is big scale for Belgium. Um, yeah, so we, we, we know how it went, but it was a really nice working yeah, atmosphere yeah. as well. Uh, so like, we really yeah, had half a good of time. The architects were under 30, so yeah. it was a really fun time. And the thing is, you always need to know why you yeah. invest your time working for someone else. Is it to gain experience? Mm -hmm. Is it because that office is creating things that you don't know how they work and you want to experience that? Mm -hmm. Is it because of the people? Can be. Uh, but in the end, it's very important to always, especially when you're not self-employed, to know why you're sitting mm -hmm in a certain office and be at any given time critical yeah. about it for yourself considering why am i here why am i still here is it for the same reasons as last mm -hmm. year 
Um, what am I gaining from sitting in this office? <clears throat> and uh, I think in the field of architecture, the first years, the answer to this question should not be money. No. It should be what am I learning? What am I, what am I getting out of this besides money? Because it's yeah. not the best. Uh, yeah, but no. you, you need a base income. And we're of not, we're not uh, no, no. advocating offices to not pay their uh, no, young no. employees because no, no. we're totally against that. Um, and that's also why we always say like, if we hire someone, we should be able to pay them the way that we want to get paid for mm -hmm. the experience that they have. And in a lot of offices, we see that young people are like big offices. Young people are used as draftsmen, renderers, uh, all these things. And it's okay if, if you as an employee don't mind doing that, it's fine. But if you want to do something else, you should be able to like, okay. And the beauty about architecture is that you can do it anywhere in the world. So yeah. as a young graduating architect, it's so easy to send your portfolio to so many countries, so many offices, and just hope that you get picked up and okay. then you can travel the world by working in different offices. Mm -hmm. That can also be a reason to work in a big office. We've done that as well. Mm -hmm. um, but it's always important for yourself to know why yeah. you're doing something. Like and that. be critical about yeah. it. Yeah. And honestly. At what point did you say, okay, we have enough now? It's a good let's, question. Let's start something. Mm, it's, it's a good question. Um, well, the thing is that we, we, when we started, I think we started because we found the right client or the right client found us, but we didn't quit working for an architecture office instantly. We were like juggling two or yeah. three jobs. Yeah. Like Hans was uh, working at the Velderving Tailleur uh, as a project leader with big projects. So it's also not that you can yeah. cut the cord and be out of there. Same for me. I was working here in Antwerp and I was teaching at a university. Um, so it was like we did the project together and we had are separate jobs and then at some point you just have to mm -hmm. jump and do it mm -hmm. and hope you'll make it and we've been very lucky yeah and i think you should be confident in i think the design parts you can have right away straight straight after school you can you mm -hmm. can be confident about the design part um but it's you should also be confident about the building experience mm -hmm. and the technical aspects um yeah. and and uh yeah gain experience in in, in these fields and once you're confident about this and you know that you are creating projects for your, your boss uh, um, as, as if you would make them for yourself, as if you would be, if it, there would be no, no mm -hmm. uh, difference between them though, yeah. then you could say, okay, if I, if I would find uh, a good client or if mm -hmm. I would find a good project, I would be able to do it for myself and I would do it this way. Mm -hmm. um, and of course, this, this doesn't happen overnight. It's more a transition, mm -hmm. like, okay, there's somebody interesting in, interested in doing a project with us or with me. What, uh, how shall I, what mm -hmm. shall I do? What shall I say? And I think it's more organic. Yeah, it, it's, it's not overnight. And when you're in this um, design process, who or what from the architectural world, or it doesn't have to be from the architectural world, inspires you? When you have no idea at all, who inspires you or what? Nature? Do you have to take a walk outside? Hmm. Good question. I um, think I think it's uh, the living life to the fullest outside of the office that makes you got a lot mm. of inspiration. So For example? Yeah. Uh, by traveling, going, seeing buildings, even if we go to construction sites, we, most people would drive straight to the construction site. We often take like a D route because we have some spare time and then we start looking at what's built or houses that, that we don't know. Mm -hmm. And, and, and that's, that's, that can be an inspiration, mm -hmm. but I think in a lot of our designs, we, we only use the references to convince the clients. 
we don't use references to build up our designs, but we yeah. show references to show the client to comfort them that it's already been done or that it's never been done. Uh, that can also be. Um, but then in general, we, 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 have, we are lucky that in Belgium we have a lot of great other offices and, and um, our, our history in architecture with like Julian Lampers uh, and others is, is, is a great uh, base to... Yeah. Yeah, yeah that's true. And, and we were discussing this earlier like with, uh, for us, it's, it's not about um, who did the project or, or we have a lot of respect for architects in general because we know how hard it is to make a great project. And to build it. Yeah, to build it, to actually build it, to, to, to get the project to where you as an architect want it to be. It's mm -hmm. super hard. And that makes that when I see a, a, a well-built house or something on the internet, uh, you instantly have a respect for that architect because they managed to get it to a level that you're appreciating. And um, in a way that, uh, that if you see an architect then that produces four or five or six great mm -hmm. buildings, your admiration grows. Because you realize, like, it's not a one lucky shot. Mm -hmm. It's somebody who is persistent, trying to push the boundaries of architecture, mm -hmm. and that that takes a lot of a lot of effort. It's true. It's true. Yeah. Yeah. More often, we we talk about a project and or something that that we've seen mm -hmm. um, and that we discuss this more than we say, oh. Uh, you know, let's talk about this architect and see what what kind of solutions they come up with. It's more that we just yeah think about a project and that we this this happens though sometimes mm. that we we say oh this is really nice. Uh, would it be um, a useful uh, take on, on on a new project mm -hmm. to see how 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 they how this in generally how this works and mm -hmm. uh, that that happens sometimes. And it's also a reason to. Like with all the, we, we do the same, eh? we post our stuff on Instagram and on social media. Mm -hmm. And usually when you see a picture on Instagram, it's like, whoa, this project. And then you start looking into it. And then it's disappointing when it's only yeah. from one side yeah. that it looks amazing. Mm -hmm. And then you feel like ah, that's, that's also a quality mm -hmm. when an architect is able to not get a perfect building from one side, but like to really invest in the full attention of, of spatial design from all mm -hmm. sides. And yeah, and uh, like sometimes you see a picture in a magazine and you think, like, oh, amazing project. And then you visit the project and it's even better. Or even, or it's worse. Yeah, or worse. Yeah, yeah. But but I, so many I hope that when I visit it, it's better. When it's better, then it's, then it's amazing. Yeah. 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 It happened to you? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, like uh, Villa van Wassenhove by uh, Julian Lampus. Mm -hmm. I, uh, like a few birthdays ago, I booked it as a personal birthday present and I stayed there for two nights. And you really have the feeling, you know it from the magazines, you know it from the the, the floor plan, but then when you enter the space and it's all about like the, the atmosphere, the vibe, the, the way it talks to you. It sounds really inspiring. So you had your birthday there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's such an architect's thing to do too. <laughs> to go visit another architect's place as a birthday present. <laughs> <laughs> and now we come, in my opinion, to the most important topic. The, the world is on fire. What importance has nature in your project? What is your approach in terms of climate change? Um, it, it's, it's actually it's two, two sides to the story. No, well, it's, it has two... Um, 
two takes on it. The first one is that uh, nature in general is really important to our architecture. We we uh-huh. often have have, have a um, a quite interesting relation to or perspective towards uh, nature and how. Um, we bring nature inside. You can see our mm-hmm. urban jungle in the in the office. I see. <laughs> <laughs> or we we oftentimes have patios with greenery. We have uh, that the vegetation surrounding vegetation is really important uh, for mm-hmm. the building that we that we make. So on micro level, it's really important uh, on the plot uh, the vegetation uh, itself. But of course. Like in on 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 macro big uh, big scale, um, I think yeah we we for us it's really important to make sustainable buildings. Of course, like I think nobody would would answer this question differently by by um, by making sustainable buildings uh, in general like the way they are uh, insulated, they, yeah. construction, insulation, um, solar panels. This this. This whole discussion, I think, is so it's it's yeah it's so important. I think this is evident. But the thing is that in in uh, I don't know how it is for other countries, but in Belgium, you got specific rules about mm-hmm. uh, the energy loss of a building, and and at some point it becomes almost like a computer program. Like you have to fix this, fix this, fix this, and then that's the only option that you have to. Mm-hmm. To make a sustainable building, but we are also firm believers that sustainability—it, uh, in a way, it, it's it's uh, created by your design. The better your architecture, the more respect people will have for it. It's not a guarantee, of course. You can can tell some nice brutalist buildings are being teared down all over the world, and the same happened with modernist buildings, but. We believe that if the design is is uh, well thought through, that people will actually feel it, and the building will survive longer than a perfectly insulated uh, small box, which is unlivable, for instance. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, I think there's a, a big um, a big responsibility as an architect to make well designed houses because they will survive longer. But do you think it makes sense to have all those rules to put a certain amount of insulation around your house that is produced in China? It's it's mm-hmm. a lot yeah. of uh, waste. And that's that why we, we do there. Indeed. Mm-hmm. And that's also why it's very important that your building doesn't get teared down because when you tear it down, it's an, they don't recycle those materials and it, no. it, it, it adds to the pollution even more. So. The longer your building stays mm-hmm. in use, mm-hmm. the more sustainable it will get. Because the first fault or the first interaction you do that's unsustainable is building that house. So if you could live in a house that's already existent and you mm-hmm. renovate it, it's actually, I think, also a quite nice way to approach it. That was actually the next question. Do you think there's still a need to build new houses or do you think this image of a family single house is still up to date or should we change our thinking about living space Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. is this really up to date having this uh, family single family home with the garden with the fence around the two cars one dog Mm -hmm. is this up to date or should we rethink this it's it's i think it's twofold in the sense that if uh, cities are very are livable and they they invest in in Uh, decompression spaces for people, then mm-hmm. cities are mm-hmm. the best way to go. Even sure. even towers, uh, having everybody together, but it's it all comes down to the design. I think that a self-sustaining house in the middle of nowhere, where the people don't need to drive their car to the grocery store because mm-hmm. they have the vegetables on their roof, mm-hmm. or uh, or and they can work from home, yeah, could also yeah, work. could also be very sustainable, but. I think there's a lot more uh, possibilities in the city because then you can start to share amenities. Mm -hmm. And by sharing amenities, you can 
then um, rethink a lot of ways of using stuff. Like uh, everybody, does everybody still need to have like a washer and a dryer? Like when everybody has, for instance, a cleaning lady in a big building, it could be a service that's provided. And then mm -hmm. you can have very ecological, well-run machines that, so, so yeah, it, it, both, yeah. it, both are a possibility. And I realize that not everywhere in the world, everybody can go live in a city. Mm. Um, but it, it's a very important job to think about it. Because even if you would say like, okay, you're an architect, I have no control or I have very little control over the spatial layout of the city as an architect with my office. Mm. But if somebody asked me to build a house, uh, on a country road or in a country mm -hmm. uh, lane or, or uh, out, of, out in nature, then I have a lot of control about how the house is being put there and how it respects mm -hmm. the site. And so I think everybody should invest in the way they can to the, to the situation. Um, and how do you think artificial intelligence can help us to save the planet? Imagination. Mm -hmm. <laughs> well, everything of automation, everything where it helps to uh, to do processes that are like standard processes that can be done to do things more efficiently. Yeah. I think their artificial intelligence uh, comes in, comes yeah. in uh, or practical things or driving cars or, or these kind mm -hmm. of things. This will be instant, of course. Um, the the everything that involves some sort of creativity of beauty like as bram said you can live in a city but if the city is designed just only functional or or mm -hmm. only uh uh yeah in in a non-romantic or beautiful way it will not be so appealing to do so this mm -hmm. will be the first step to to yeah. to overcome i guess because you can tell Even here, where we live, different parts. If you if you go if you move 500 meters, it's it's a different ambience. It's a different atmosphere. It's completely different. Um, just by the way, uh, you know, everything is composed, and 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 I think these layers or these design aspects will be tricky to. Um, yeah, to be to be handed over to artificial intelligence in the first step let's say yeah. in the first phase of uh, this transition to uh, get us saved by artificial intelligence mm -hmm. and how do you imagine the future living space in terms of overpopulation do we all sit in little concrete boxes and the state says okay for each person you have 10 square meters mm -hmm. do you think this is possible in the future and then we have an avatar who can run Yeah, yeah, you have your yeah, Oculus yeah, Rift yeah, glasses yeah, on and, yeah. and you actually don't move anymore. Indeed, indeed, indeed. Uh, let's hope not. Let's hope not. <laughs> let's hope not. It's, it's, it's possible. Yeah, I think uh, yeah, everything with the metaverse and everything, it will, it, there will, of course, be, um, this is getting really real, so, so this will be uh, the case, but um, hey, let's hope not. Uh, but... I think it's a very tricky situation because on one hand you could use artificial intelligence to, to streamline and to, mm -hmm. to, to get more efficient ways of mm -hmm. constructing or, or yeah. even positioning th things that we cannot think about but that because artificial intelligence is, is not bound to to the standard rules that we force onto ourselves, mm -hmm. um, new things might pop up, but I still think there's always this, this atmosphere, this, this, this thing about being human and, and having a human perspective on, on design on cities that, that you cannot, um, uh, leave out. Uh, mm -hmm. I would be scared that like what you were saying about the little units, let's say artificial intelligence says like, okay, we have this many people in the world. So everybody gets this amount of square meters and we start over again. 
let's mm -hmm. put everybody in little boxes. Yeah, that, that would be a scary thought. Yeah, but like if if the artificial intelligence would present us those numbers and then we can interpret it and maybe present uh, models to the artificial intelligence, then it can be like a, an extra sparing mm -hmm. partner in a design process. Yeah, that's true. That would be cool. Like mm -hmm. now when you design something and you have like fire regulations, the, insul the energy uh, regulations, you have the, um, the accessibility regulations and you want to make like 10 different designs to check out what are the possibilities. Yeah, let the computer do it. And then I'll choose which one is best based on how I feel about it and my knowledge as an architect mm -hmm. and as a human being. But I don't want uh, an intern to sit down and have to work out a hundred models to get to the one that I like, for instance. So we can use artificial intelligence to take a lot of our boring jobs, the nine to five. <laughs> out of the equation and everybody can live a, li a little bit more and we have more time for life and uh, yeah that would be nice okay so you answer this question with a positive vision yeah of course <laughs> otherwise it wouldn't make <laughs> otherwise any sense otherwise we can just jump out the window and it's us. <laughs> now I can go back to my small concrete square <laughs> and <think. laughs> thank you <laughs> Um, it's the same with, with like robots and stuff. I would yeah. love to have robots to do my laundry. Why not? Let them do it so I can do other fun stuff. Huh? So I must say, when I watch the news and I see this little robot dog in China walking yeah. around the streets, it gives me a little pressure, I must say. Yeah, but that dog is used for other things, no? <laughs> the, the robot dog, uh, if it's used for, for like uh, surveillance and security, And these kind of things, I don't want the robot dog in the street. But if that robot dog is there to, like, for instance, uh, clean out the gutters and, and, and do stuff that now have to be done by, by manual labor, yeah, then I, I would love that dog to be around and let it do its thing. But it's and always, what, yeah. Sorry. And what happens to the people then? Well, I think you, at some dropped? point, at some point, we have to be fair. And if robots start to do things, then everybody just gets a pay like you would be a pensioner. Mm -hmm. and, and then the robots do our dirty jobs and uh, all the work. And we can just have more and time life. to spend with family. And, and we live life to the fullest. Yeah. <laughs> and be creative and do yeah, things. Because yeah. if you ask people now, a lot of people do a nine-to-five job that they think is boring. Mm -hmm. If you ask them, what would you like to do? Yeah, I would like to paint. I would like to sing. I would like to ride a horse, but I, I don't have time for it. Mm -hmm. And if they could leave that job, they would do all these things. And maybe then we get a lot of amazing art and a lot of other things. And people start to think when, you're, when you have spare time, you start to think and good things happen. No? Mm -hmm. So. Probably we will find it out sooner or later. Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> so, last question. What means architecture for you personally? You can also quote someone. <laughs> <laughs> That's very personal then. Uh... <laughs> But he had a good opinion, so I chose him to... Yeah, because there comes always a really long break before the answer. So. Yeah. Uh, you're not yeah, you can cut, cut, those you out, can cut right? it out. You I can cut it out. <laughs> so I quote... Uh, <laughs> no, um, no, it's a good question. What does it mean? I think for us, it means... Um, we, for us, we create a lot of residential spaces, architecture. It means um, when we... Uh, created ourselves, we try to make, uh, we are conscious of uh, the best thing is nature everywhere, beautiful nature, beautiful landscapes. And if you have to touch it, if you have to implement something, then it better, better be good. It better be really, really mm -hmm. good. And um, 
when this happens, when you have the feeling there was nothing here and now something is here and it is not bad, we like it, it's a, it's a, uh, even maybe a better place, in, uh, rarely, but even a better place than, than with only nature, then this for me is architecture. And this can be like a small um, village on top of a mountain uh, where you like to play hide and seek uh, uh, between the walls. It can be a building on its own. It can be something. If I have this feeling, for me, this is architecture. And uh, it can be a, a big uh, Duomo uh, of Firenze. It can be it can be a, a house in the forest, or it can be something really small or really big. This feeling, I think, where you touch it and it is still good. This is architecture. What you can quote. That? You can quote. Uh, I quote. Uh, <laughs> you can quote, <laughs> quote, you can quote <laughs> me now. You can quote me now. It's okay. Go ahead. No, I think yeah. Architecture, the, the, what is architecture for, for me? Um, I, I use architecture as a, as a kind of backbone for a lot of things. Like uh, the, it's a balance, like the living life to the fullest and implementing it in architecture makes them intertwined. And yeah, I, I think that uh, if everybody would try to see the effort that's put into it, we all have better spaces and places. Uh, yeah. It's it's a difficult... Uh... You can still quote me. Yeah, I'll quote. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you very much. Thank you. No, thank it was you. an amazing talk. Thank you for thank your you. time and you. um, for the possibility to talk to you. <laughs> You're welcome. You're welcome. This was this week's episode. We really hope you liked it as much as we did. If you have comments, suggestions, critics, please let us know. And till next time on What's Next. Ciao, ciao.